Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast, Grit and Determination. Characteristics athletes know are essential to get you through a race when your body feels like quitting. But Deborah Chikuski knows these words on an even deeper level. Listen to hear Deborah share her story on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein. I hope you enjoyed last week's program with Cedarville alumnus and Grace College and Seminary President Dr. Drew Flam and how the Lord used Cedarville and many faculty members to mentor him during his college years, which ultimately led to him being selected as president of Grace College. I'm so glad Drew was able to join me last week. On today's program, I believe you will be just as inspired as I'm talking with Deb Swede Chikuski, a 2007 graduate of Cedarville University with a degree in exercise science. As a student, Deb was a three-time NCCAA All-American track athlete for the Yellow Jackets and was a part of three NCCAA national championship teams. I know we will talk about some of her college athletic career, but for reference purposes, Deb is using her collegiate athletic ability by training for the 2024 Paralympics in Paris in the triathlon. I can't wait to talk with Deb about her vision for the Paralympic Games and why this endeavor is so important to her. Deb is originally from Chesapeake, Virginia, but today she makes her home in Corning, New York with her husband. And it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast, Deb Chikuski. Welcome, Deb. Thank you. So although part of your story today will be about your training for the 2024 Paralympics in Paris, I think that's great. Uh, For me to start the program, I'm interested in going in the area of your drive, your determination, on your faith in Jesus, because that's what I think uh, really is at the heart of today's conversation. So let's start with your vision, uh, which has always been a difficulty or a difficult issue for you. Um, at age 15, you were diagnosed with Stargardt's disease. Tell us what that disease is, just for reference. So Stargardt's is a deterioration of your central vision. And over time, you will get these deposits in your central vision where you will not have any, and it will just continue to grow over time. So it is degenerative. So it will eventually stop, but I'm in the process right now where it's continuing to get worse. Okay. So at age, at age 15, you were diagnosed with that disease. So obviously you were having issues beforehand. What were some of the symptoms before you were diagnosed? So not being able to see directly in front of me with sisters, two older sisters, I knew what to look for. So specifically when it came to sports, if I was looking directly at the basketball hoop, I was having a hard time seeing it. If I looked a little bit off to the side, then I could see the hoop itself. So that was when I first started. And then overhead projectors were a big way to use in in teaching at the time. So when they would put a slide up for the overhead projector, I was having a hard time actually being able to read it. Do you recall at what age you, you first noticed this issue? Yeah, I was about 14. So it wasn't soon after I noticed it, that we went in to uh, be tested, my twin sister and I. So as you're dealing with this as a, a young person, um, it had to be difficult. You, you couldn't see 2020. Uh, how did you manage to function or did you really try to mask it so people didn't know that you had this issue? I So I would go on two different branches on this. I did try to mask it for a long time. I didn't want people to think there was something wrong with me. And on the flip side of that, my dad was a really instrumental in pushing me to continue to pursue sports. 
And actually that summer, um, I spent a lot of time at the gym, which he would take me to, to learn how to shoot a basketball, looking away from it, but shooting actually at the basketball hoop. So he was really pushing me to not let it stop me, uh, but let it to fuel me to continue to pursuing sports. And I think uh, for those athletes who are competing at the level where you are, the Paralympics, um, they don't let things like this slow you down. And we're going get, to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you were a three-time NCCAA All-American and part of three national championships at Cedarville University. How were you able to compete at such a high level without having, I would say, great vision, but maybe even just good vision? So when it came to the track, actually having the lines, I knew that I needed to stay within the lines. So I didn't do any type of cross country. So it was a lot easier for me to stay within the lines and being able to just know that that's where I need to stay for, for my running. So it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't too difficult on the track. And that's because with your disease, you could see, see from your periphery, but you couldn't see directly. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So from your memory, do you recall a favorite meat or meats uh, in your time at Cedarville? I really enjoyed the home meats, actually. And then the championships were also really fun because everybody was just, the energy was just so high. Um, and specifically indoor, I really liked being on the indoor because everybody was in one location. So it just got loud and just the energy was really high. So you mentioned you enjoyed the home meets and the, and obviously everyone would like, would like the championship meets because especially if you become a champion, which you were, um, but what was it about a home meet that was special for you? You knew the area, you knew the people. Uh, my parents would come up for all the home meets indoor and outdoor. So that was just a really special time to have family and friends that wouldn't necessarily travel with you all being there to help and support you. And did you compete all four years or just three years at Cedarville? I competed four years. I had an injury, uh, which prevented me from competing one of these years. Well, Deb, I'd like to transition to the part of your story that requires the drive and determination that I mentioned earlier, because training for a triathlon takes serious commitment. After college, you pursued competing in triathlons because it was your way of replacing the individual disciplines that you managed as a college athlete here at Cedarville. But ultimately, you walked away from racing because it became too dangerous to swim or cycle on the roads. How difficult was for you to stop racing? Because I know you loved it. It was difficult. My race anxiety was crippling at the time, and it was affecting my entire life. And actually, my husband was able to come alongside me. And this, uh, I love triathlon. I love competing. But that was no longer fun and became dangerous to, to my own self. So that was one of the biggest reasons that I stepped away from it. When it became not fun and all it was consuming uh, my thoughts of just what would happen if I was in the water or on the bike or getting hit. So we, we decided to go ahead and walk away and then not forever, but until right. we figured out a way to bring the fun back into it, we would pursue yeah. it again. So just for our listeners sake, and maybe mine too, I, I know a little bit about triathlon by following um, Grace Norman in, mm -hmm. in years past. So, so I know what, what it's about, but for our listeners, tell them what you have to do to compete in a triathlon. Cause you say you enjoy it. I want people to know what you have to do. Yes. So it is a swim in the open water. Typically 
it'll be, well, sometimes you'll swim in the ocean, but it'll be in some form of body of water, not a pool. And then you'll get out and come to a transition area and transition to your bike. And then you will go off and bike for a paratriathlon. It's uh, 20 kilometers, 12 miles. And then you'll come back to the transition area, rack your bike and go off and run. So for paratriathlon, it's a 5K and then it'll go all the way up to a full marathon, depending on your distance. So how, how far are you swimming in that open body of water? 750 meters, just shy of half a mile. Upon your return to competing for various races, how long were you away from competing and what brought you back to the sport that I know you love? It was about five years. I stepped away. I had my two girls and after I had my second, I had a lot of health issues with the pregnancy and I knew that I wanted to get back into exercising and doing it with something that would motivate me. And around that time, the Paralympics was coming back around for 2020. And there was in 2016, they had introduced the paratriathlon to the Paralympics. And I knew a lot about that and thought I wanted to do that, but then, you know, anxiety and actually having children prevented that from happening. So I was always in the back of my mind to start pursuing paratriathlon and knowing that a guide would be with me every step of the way to take away that fear of swim and potentially danger in the bike. So it, I started looking into my community and seeing if anybody would be willing to come alongside me and guide me. And that's actually where I found my first guide was here in my community. Okay. So I know from research and looking at your Facebook in particular, that uh, you have excelled since you've come back. And uh, recently you competed at the World Paralympic Triathlon Championship in Abu Dhabi and were ranked, I believe, number eight in the world. Can you put into words what this accomplishment means to you, even today? Actually having a little bit of time to really soak it in and look back at what's happened over the last year, taking a break for so long and really deciding to give the anxiety and the fear over to God, because I know that he's called me into doing this and pursuing this as a professional paratriathlete. And it's really nothing that I know that I could have done on my own. And I think that's just where seeing God's hand, especially when you turn around in situations and seeing the pieces that he's moved to be able to make this happen is really, it's unbelievable. And I'm so happy that I'm on this path. And uh, I I know that people shake their head when they, when we talk about all the hours of uh, working out and the eating and the commitments and stuff, but um, it's really something that I'm passionate about because I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly what God wants me to do. Well, let's unpack that just a little bit. How do you know without a shadow of a doubt that this is what you should be doing, that he wants you to do? Because I have such peace about it. And the anxiety that I was feeling was crippling, uh, not being able to get out of bed, having panic attacks. And, and for that to literally go away completely and just having an overwhelming sense of peace, uh, it just, you know, and, and as you continue to seek God and, and get to know him, you just know that that's just his hand around me. And uh, yeah, I absolutely know that this is something that he wants me to do. And then just along the way, being able to, you know, we had a race being canceled in order to get into Abu Dhabi. I needed to do a race. 
And within 10 days, being able to book a trip for my guide and myself to go to Portugal, be able to perform really well and get second at that race, bumped me up enough to even get into Abu Dhabi, uh, which was the world championships, like you mentioned. So, I mean, those pieces right there, uh, it's just one, uh, it's just little, little bits of saying, God saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. Keep, keep at it. And it's hard, but it's, it's totally worth doing. That's so great to hear. So you've, you've mentioned a little bit ago about you having a guide. Erica is your guide. Yes. Erica, Erica Heckmeister, how does she say it? Yeah, you're right, Heckmeister. Okay, so obviously uh, you mentioned that uh, you have a guide that helps you compete. Now, uh, Erica Heckmeister is your, your guide, and I understand she's tethered to you during the swim and then by rope during the run, and she's riding a tandem bike with you uh, in the bike part of it. How long has Erica been serving as your guide? And what does it mean to you to have someone like Erica join you every step or stroke of the competition? It's quite humbling, actually. So she has, she is considered in paratriathlon as a piece of equipment. She assists me, but it's technically my race. So when I cross the finish line, my name is being called, not Erica, but she's working just as hard as I am, if not harder on the bike, because that's when we can really make up some ground. And she swims next to me and encourages me through different taps and stuff that we've worked out and then helps me in transition. And then we get on the bike and we're both working really hard on the bike. And then she gets off. And again, we're tethered, like you said, we're tethered by the waist, by some rope. And she's just so encouraging. And she's better than me because you want someone that even if they're having an off day to not slow you down. So she's a better athlete than I am, but is willing to give up her name to guide me to be able for us to perform together. When really, when I cross the finish line, they say my name and not hers, which I wish they would, but you know, that's just, that's not how it's going to go. How did you find Erica? Erica. So through the guy that I did my first pair of triathlon with, we have a pretty good triathlon community here. And he actually introduced us. We both lived here in Corning, New York, and she was a 70.3 triathlon pro at the time and wanted to transition a little bit. She kind of lost that fire. And so I sat down with her in my living room and said, hey, I really want to go to the Paralympics. I think I could do it. And she just said, absolutely. So, I mean, she is so committed for us to both do it together. Help me understand, because I, 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 I've been following the Paralympics because, again, Grace Norman, who is a Cedarville alum and does really well. She, I know she's in a different category than you are. But when I think of you riding the bike with Erica, I'm thinking, is that fair? I mean, you're getting extra help. Uh, how does that work f- for you? And why, does it, why is it allowed to have a, you to be on a tandem bike? So like you had mentioned, Grace Norman races in a different division. You race in the division with like athletes. So everybody in okay. my division is riding a tandem. Okay. So, so it is, so then it's advantageous for the, for you guys, the, the para athletes to really find maybe a strong rider. Exactly. Cause then like, like you said, you can make up a lot of ground if, if you have a really strong rider exactly. with you. Yes. So we would never okay. race against Grace Norman because it wouldn't be fair for competition. No, no, that, that makes sense. So, Deb, uh, you also receive 
much like you receive support from Erica. You also receive a lot of support from your family, your friends, your church family, and so many others. How has this support group been able to come alongside you and fuel your run, your, your swims uh, that you've experienced in your current races? So one of the ways that my family has come alongside me is my husband has been really supportive. And I know that piece sometimes goes overlooked, but when he is so supportive and, you know, financially and, you know, emotionally and deals with me getting up at 445 in the morning and then, you know, putting our girls down and being ready to go to bed at eight, uh, you know, he is the a big part of my success because he fuels me to be able to be my best person, uh, wife, mom, a uh, member of my community. And then also my church community, they come alongside. So when we travel, we're not near family. They will help out with our girls. Our girls are only three and six years old. So they're, you know, preschool, first grade age with uh, helping Alex. If we, if I'm out of town, uh, picking up groceries, honestly, also if it's snowing, so upstate New York gets quite a bit of snow. So it's two feet of snow on the ground, being able to still get to the Y because my neighbors will text me, Hey, I'm going to go. Do you want to come with me? So there's a lot of small things that really add up uh, neighbors that will, you know, if I still have a third workout to do, they'll say, Hey, bring the girls over, let them play over here. Um, so I can still work out. So there really is, it takes an entire community to make this happen. And I am so blessed to have not only my church community, but my local triathlon community really has come alongside and asked to, to do swims in the lake because Erica has since moved away for, for work. So she's not here anymore. So being able to have people to help me ride on the tandem or tethered in the swim to practice in the lake. So it's a, it's a lot of people coming together to make this dream happen. So with Heather, I mean, sorry, with, with Erica moving away, will she still be your guide going forward or do you need it? Or have you found a new guide? She moved away actually last year in January. So we've, we've done the entire season with her living in California. So we, we've made it a point to get together every couple months, whether it's just to do training or training before a couple days before we race. Um, so we, we've gotten together quite a bit every couple months to do training together. So it's worked out. Okay. So you also mentioned your girls are three and six. So do they really know what's going on with their mom or how do they, how do they get involved? That's such a good question. My three-year-old is not necessarily understanding. She understands if I bring home a medal or a stuffed animal, that's what she understands. But my six-year-old has really wrapped her head around it. And it is, she, I was actually going to say, she's part of my motivation. I've been able to expose her to all different types of disability and she is just such a compassionate, small individual. And it, it is, she inspires me. And she always asks me every single night, mommy, what's your workout in the morning? She wants to know what I'm going to be doing. And um, her class, she talks about me so much. Her class <laughs> will uh, draw me pictures or she, they colored me medals before I went to Abu Dhabi. So I had 17 little medals um, that I brought with me. And she always colors me pictures for me and one for Erica to put in our hotel room. And she just has really grasped it. And she asks questions and I love it. She asks, well, how does somebody that doesn't have an entire arm swim? And I was able to show her that there was a gentleman there with no arms in the water swimming and just, you know, 
just because he doesn't have arms, look, it's not stopping him. So no matter what we face, yeah. it's not, you know, we're not going to get stopped by what, whatever life yeah. brings us. And she's just really wrapped her head around it. That's a great uh, teaching opportunity you have with your, with your, that daughter for sure. And then maybe in time with the, with the three-year-old. But when I think about all that you've, com- you've accomplished, you know, at, at Cedarville, the right now with the uh, paratriathlon, did you ever think it was possible for you to compete at such a high level? I really wanted to actually go to the World Cup and compete competitively in soccer. So I knew that I had to drive. I wasn't sure how I would get there. So yeah. when the 2020 Olympics got pushed to 2021, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there directly in front of my TV watching the Paralympic triathlon going on i i just sat there crying and i I told alex i know i I literally turned around i know i can do it i just need the right guy to come alongside me but i know i have the drive so as soon as i saw the paratriathlon going on i i knew i could at least do my very best to compete you know this thought just came to my my mind um so as a guide, do you have to have a female guide with you or could you have a male guide? That's a good question. It has to be female. You have to have, yes. So the males have to have males and the females have to have another. So uh, as I prepare for today's program, Deb, I learned that there was a time when you wanted to serve our country in the military, but were not able to because of your vision. Knowing this, does competing at an elite level ease the disappointment that you may have experienced because even though you're not representing or didn't get to represent the, our country in the military, you are representing our country. If you make the team in the Paralympics, did that ease the uh, disappointment? It does. It does. My family has an extensive military background. My husband was also a submarine officer in the Navy. So the military grow goes very deep in my family. And, you know, it is a little bit different in, in defending um, our country, but yes, I, I do believe that, being able to represent and representing it well is something that is helps ease the the pain of not being able to go into the military. So as we move through the podcast, we're, we're nearing the end. And I, I don't want to take uh, the whole time without having the opportunity to really talk to you about your faith in Jesus and how he has sustained you during hardships and now through the successful competition. So how has the Lord been real to you. I, obviously, he he's given you the peace that you can do this, so that's real. But how else has the Lord come alongside you in in your life's journey? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we had a the family pet pass away, uh, my my first dog, and um, that was pretty devastating. And in that time frame, uh, towards the end of her life, I my eyesight was getting worse. I'd already had my my oldest Emma, and I was starting to trip, uh, run into things, you know, kick it because I, I couldn't see it. Um, I fell down the stairs because my depth perception was was transitioning and I wasn't quite caught up with it yet. And so we had, my husband and I had been thinking about getting a service dog just to help navigate because I walk so much because I can't drive. And when uh, we ended up having to put her down and I was standing at my kitchen sink and it was just praying. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I know that I might need some help with a service dog because 
I don't want to be walking and trip and let go of the stroller. Or, you know, now that I have kids, I don't want to jeopardize their safety. And I just remember standing at my sink and it was, this was during COVID and we had started looking into service dogs and it was a two year wait or a three year wait. And uh, it was in September. And I just remember it, it was almost audible. God said, you'll have a, a, a dog within six months. I said, that's, wow. that's, that's way shorter than what everyone's saying. And we just, I sat down, I applied for two different company uh, organizations that's here in New York. And within four months, we get a call and, and they say, Hey, we, uh, we have a dog uh, for you. Can you, can you start training? And so by February, I had already trained with her and graduated. So you do a lot of training with the service dog who's already been trained. And uh, now I have a guide dog that comes alongside me. And she really started this uh, being able to be more independent, to get down to the why uh, she comes with us everywhere. And that was a, a really an audible reminder that God takes care of you. And uh, even though you can't necessarily see it, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not working. And that was a good reminder to keep trusting him when stuff doesn't necessarily work out or go in the way you want it to go. It doesn't mean that he's not there. No, he's always there. And, and you, you shared a great example of just how, how faithful he is and how he does provide for his people. Yeah, even when at times, maybe many times, we can have our doubt tested. So praise the Lord for that. So, Deb, uh, the Paralympics in 2024 is a year and a half away. So what's next for you in your quest to make the U.S. Paralympic team? So July 1st starts the Paralympic qualifying window. So there will be races, including a test event that's actually going to be going on in Paris in August of next year. So we will be pursuing getting the points and competing at the Olympic qualifying events between July 1st of 2023 and 2024 to make the team for the 2024 Paralympic Games. So is there just one spot in your category or how many spots will there be? There will be up to two spots for my category Mm -hmm. for USA. And how many athletes are going for those two spots that you know of? Right now, there will be two. I'm not sure if there will be a third yet. So if there's only two, you you stand a good chance of making the team, right? Yes, you still have to earn your spot, so it's not guaranteed, but yes. And so to, to earn your spot, what does that mean? What do you have to do? What, what score, or how many points, whatever, do you have to have to make the team? It's not necessarily a set amount of points, but there will be qualifying races that if you place depending on your placement, it'll be automatic qualifier for, for the Paralympics. But then they will also announce the team in 2024. Okay. By placing, like, in the top five or whatever? Yeah, five. five. I mean, top three would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the best you have placed? For a world paratriathlon race, I placed second at nationals here representing the USA. I, I am number one. Wow. First. Wow. I'm going to look forward to following you as you uh, move toward that Paralympic team representing our country. And speaking of the Paralympic team, uh, we've talked about Grace Norman a little bit on the podcast. She's another Cedarville alum who's a gold medalist, a silver medalist, maybe a bronze medalist. I know 
so she has plenty of hardware to her name. Have you been able to talk with her about training for your competition? Uh, yeah, we, we've talked uh, quite a few times. We've interacted with certain world triathlon races. I think the big thing is it's so individualized because I have to, I can't ride outside safely uh, on a single bike. So I do a lot of my training on a trainer inside. Okay. Um, but uh, the common theme is that it takes a lot of dedication and uh, some sacrifice. And, uh, but it's, you know, as long as it's still worth it to you, then, you know, then you'll keep doing it. So when you see a fellow Cedarville alum doing well at the Paralympics, as Grace has, how does that give you confidence and how do you use that to motivate yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's great. She's a, a, a little bit younger than me, but uh, right. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's fellow, uh, fellow Cedarville alum. I think it's absolutely amazing that we can both represent Cedarville um, and do it well. So yeah, it's been great to get to know her. And you mentioned there's a big age difference, understandably. So how does age affect you in terms of training? Because it's, it's, it's one thing to be searching or striving for the Paralympic team at 25 or 26, but much different being 35, 36. So how do you, how do you work through that tension? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. I would say the biggest thing for me is having perspective. I, at the end of the day, I'm still going to come home to my family and my community. And that means a lot to me. So I am doing everything I possibly can to compete, but it helps when there's other things I'm competing for. And it's not just to go to the Paralympic games. It's also equally to represent Jesus and my pursuit and my relationship with him, as well as my family, both my immediate family and my extended family. So it, it helps when you have very, when you're very well-rounded uh, to, you know, when you, when you end up getting eighth at, at worlds in Abu Dhabi, you know what? I had the best race I could have on that day, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to go home to my kids and you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. Uh, obviously I wanted to do better, but I think it helps to give me a little bit of perspective too. Yeah. You, you have a great perspective on, on life and what you're doing. And, uh, I know all those who are listening to today's uh, podcast are pulling for you hoping you make the team represent uh, your community, your alma mater, and Jesus. Uh, well, we know you will. So let's let's play a little scenario here as my last question comes, and that is a year and a half or so down the road, they announced the 24 Paralympic team, and your name is on the list. What's it going to mean for you, and how will you respond when you get that news that you know that you're on the U.S. Paralympic team for Paris? You know, it, it's going to be special. It's, and that's what I keep trying to keep in my mind when I went to Worlds. You know, this is special. This is a gift that God has given me, and I'm trying to make the most of it. Um, I just kept telling myself, I'm in Abu Dhabi competing at the World Paratriathlon Championships. And it's going to be the same thing. It's, you know, over the last year or so really gotten into just meditating on certain scriptures and even songs and uh, that carry with me when I, when I travel. And I know that all of it is going to be worth it. It's the journey. So if you had said that scenario and said, I wasn't on the team, 
I think I would probably say the same thing because it's also the journey to get there and the people that I can inspire to be the best mom, to be the best student, to be the best person in your community. You know, if I can take those people along with me and they're just living their best life, then that's going to be okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you, you have great perspective and I think it's neat to know that possibly there could be two Cedarville alumni as members of the U.S. Paralympic team in Paris next year. And how great would it be for when Grace competes in her race and you compete in your race that at, at the end of those days, we hear the national anthem playing because you were part of the final three or maybe, well, you have to be the top one. So, um, yeah. 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 So I think it's great. And uh, we're going to follow in your story and uh, I encourage our listeners to um, pray for you as you continue to, uh, train for the Paralympics in 2024 in Paris. And uh, we wish you well. And again, we'll be following your journey. Thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.